2: Welcome to Bet the Edge on Wednesday, April 12th. Thanks to everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Coming up, there's no rest for the weary on the PGA Tour. Just a few days after the final round of the Masters golfers will compete in another elevated event in Hilton head at the RBC heritage. Joining us to break down Scotty Sheffer John Rahm as favorites is Steve Burkowski of golf channel. Plus Drew and I will handicap the NBA playing games tonight to talk series prices for the Lakers and Grizzlies and Hawks Celtics. Drew, there is a lot, a lot to unpack about last night. So much. Oh, first of all, First of all, Jimmy Butler all but guaranteeing a win over the Atlanta Hawks Mm -hmm. to come out at one point being down 25. They made a little bit of a fight, but ultimately ended up losing. Oh, my goodness. What's your thoughts on what happened last night?
3: Well, uh, if you shoot that poorly, you deserve to lose. (laughs) Uh, And uh, honestly, like, I don't know if anyone should be surprised. This is who the Heat are. Uh, This is who they've been all season. They've had to grind out wins when they've been able to um and you know it it's it's a bummer because although that's, I guess I'll tell you, I'll tell you this uh Hawks Celtics should be a more fun series than Heat Celtics was going to be um and Heat Bucks if that's what we get or Raptors Bucks is going to be pretty good so yes. i you know i don't mind i ultimately don't mind the outcome um but uh, i was mostly just happy that the game stayed under the total if you know what i mean uh, <laughs> it was a, it, it was a fun watch for, in that capacity and yeah. uh, you know it had it had the very, very kind of game seven feel, which you ultimately want to watch if you're tuning in for playoffs in that capacity.
2: No, it was exciting. And I bet Trey Young over 24 and a half points. Uh, I think this is the first time that I ever got meaningless free throws. At one point, <laughs> Snyder is saying 25-1, 25-1 before his last free throw. And I swear they called it in. I was like, oh, he's mailing in this. An 89% free throw shooter is going to miss this watch. And he's going to miss by the hook. But I actually got it right. And then that Lakers game, Wow. AD almost blew it for the Lakers. I, I didn't want to stay up for overtime, but I knew it was going to happen. Does this make you like the Lakers? You know, you don't have to give me all of your spiel now because we'll talk about it late more, but does this make them more of a threat or that game not change your opinion? on?
3: That? I, they are still a little bit too one dimensional offensively for me to think that they have much of a chance against the Grizzlies um they'll be good they'll be a good tough defensive matchup for the grizzlies but the grizzlies will solve that i think you know by the time we get later in the series i would expect this to be tilted pretty heavily grizzlies i'm mostly surprised that the market is giving the lakers this much of a chance um i don't love having super big positions this early in the playoffs because it's a long it's a long game (laughs) but uh, uh i'm gonna be pretty heavily staked on grizzlies series at these prices
2: okay i can't wait to talk about that but now let's pivot over to golf and bring in Steve Burkowski of Golf Channel. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And and before we talk golf, as a long-suffering Knicks fan, <laughs> I'm sure once you get there, you know it much better than I do. Bet against the Knicks because we know they're going to disappoint <laughs> somehow, some way. I
3: have I have a very uh, a fun kind of take for you on that series. Then, yeah, uh, realistically. Cavs take care of business in game one and game two. The Knicks fans are like, oh, same old Knicks, but the Knicks, I think, can come back in that series. I think they're going to be a really fun bet because as Randall gets back and gets healthy and starts to get his uh, his full kind of um, uh, impact on the game, like, and honestly, once they kind of reduce R.J. Barrett's minutes, the Knicks are going to be very live in that series.
4: Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. I'm holding you to it, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
2: Steve, we'll get to John Rahm in a minute, but looking back at the Masters, was Rory... Missing the cut, or Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, and Patrick Reed being near the top of the leaderboard on Sunday more surprising to you?
4: Yes, to all the above.
2: <laughs> every,
4: every year, Rory goes to Augusta trying to complete the career Grand Slam, and I think I get so caught up as a fan emotionally from the heart saying, this is the year he's going to finally do it. He had seemed to figure out the driver heading into Augusta National, had played 81 holes in preparation in the weeks leading up, to the masters and he was on the good side of the draw always gets off the slow starts, seemingly finds his way in the top five by the end of the week, but he shoots even on day one. And you're like, okay, well, he'll, he'll start making a run on Friday. Well, he never made a run. He shoots 77. He was home before the storms ever came out. It is so depressing as a fan, because we know how talented he is. You know, how good he is. And, and, the internal strife and pressure he must deal with realizing that it's been almost nine years since he's won a major championship. It's still confounding to me that you're nearing a decade since his last major win. So uh, maybe 2024 is his year on the flip side of that uh, guys. Phil Mickelson has won the masters three times. Is there any other course major or not that guys can show up late in their career and play well. Go back to 1998, Jack Nicklaus was 58 years of age and finished 6th. They came on the air that Sunday he was too bad. We have seen Augusta it changes yet it doesn't. And then you had Brooks Kepka finally healthy, winning a live event the week before going into it. He was on the good side of the draw. He seemed absolutely unbeatable through 36 holes and Call it what you want. He didn't get the job done, and Patrick Reed's a past Masters champ, so I probably lean towards Rory. But to have maybe those three outliers that had a lot of question marks to it, I think it really added to the whole plot uh, on the weekend at Augusta.
3: Yeah, and I guess going forward, as far as live guys in majors, uh, there was a little thesis beforehand that they would come in a little bit more rested, a little bit more pro- like they're 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 kind of. Don't have much to play for except for the majors. Meanwhile, the rest of these guys are going through the grind of the regular season. I mean, shoot, they're going to be pushed back out there this week, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But like the idea of, uh, you know, kind of some of these guys defecting was they wanted to play less golf and be more, you know, in better physical shape like Brooks Kepka was like, you know, would you expect in general going forward for these majors that you're just going to have to maybe upgrade the live guys on the basis of rest?
4: Yeah, it's a, it's an intriguing thought. I didn't look at it from that perspective. But so many people obviously don't love what's happening to the game, and they sort of dismiss these individuals. Uh, and there's a lot of valid reasons for it. Brooks Koepka is a four-time major champion. We saw what he did from 2017 to 2019, winning four majors and eight starts in major championships. When healthy, he didn't forget how to play golf. And he sort of showed it those first two days how clinical it was. Uh, now, Phil did catch me off guard. There there really had been no signs of Phil Mickelson with, with any form, but it shows you what Augusta playing alongside Spieth on that Sunday. Both those guys made a charge. We were thinking, or at least I was, wow, what if one gets to 9 or 10 and then they sit around for a couple hours? Uh, but then it's kudos to John Rahm that – yeah. He literally didn't really miss a shot, and then if he did, you know, he was he was on that mission, and, and he showed why he's the best in the world.
2: Yeah, it was an absolutely beautiful finish uh, for John Rahm. I was actually a little surprised in myself. I was on Brooks and off on Rory before the Masters start, and I'm such a huge Rory supporter. But let's pivot over to RBC. So John Rahm wins wins the Masters. We all know what comes with it. That's uh, media appearances. There's so much drama and and things that happen after the Masters. Do you expect him to be able to hold his form this week after winning the Masters? Or is, (laughs) I don't know, just lay that out for me.
4: Uh, My my gut says no, and that's not to John Rahm as a golfer. There's instinctively, naturally, a letdown. You would think, at least, to your point. There's so many things you're dealing with. I have to think the red wine was flowing late into Sunday night (laughs) in celebration early into Monday. But when you look at the track record, Rahm is the 12th Masters champion to play in Hilton Head the very next week. The last three actually had a ton of success. Uh, Jordan Spieth in 2015 finished tied for 11th. Zach Johnson in 2007 finished sixth. And then Vijay Singh two decades ago after winning at Augusta finished tied for third. So if you're looking for trends, maybe it says John Rahm will continue that I've been to the Masters. I've covered Hilton Head through the years. It is a polar opposite in terms of the week. You go to the low country of South Carolina, a little <laughs> laid back. Could you see John Rom get off to a slow start on Thursday and then maybe come Friday? Hey, this is still a golf tournament. It's a big designated event, a lot on the line. I would tend to sort of fade someone that had a monumental week on Sebi's birthday, forty mm-hmm. years after he won at Augusta National, I, I, there has to be that natural letdown. Would be my instinct there.
3: Yeah, uh, and you see it in almost every individual sport when you have a career accomplishment like that. There is an absolutely an exhale. And it doesn't always just last one week, by the way. (laughs) Like (laughs) if Rom kind of takes the next month to exhale, I won't hold it against him because this was an absolutely huge, uh, you know, kind of career milestone for him and, you know, very, very happy for him. But um, and also I will note it's the point you brought up about former Masters champs is fascinating. um, But for my money, the tour itself was not as deep <laughs> in those years as it is now. There are a lot of really good golfers in this field. Um, is there anyone uh, uh, who, I guess, kind of fits a narrative of underperformed last week and has the goods uh, who may come in with a little bit of extra focus trying to kind of make up some ground this week?
4: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a blend. I'm going to look at Colin Morikawa. You, you you look at his ball striking. He has seemingly got that little two-yard Fade back, as he told me earlier this year, top 10 at the Masters, consummate ball striker. He's got five top 15s in 2023. He's three for three in making the cut uh, at Harbortown, tied for seventh a couple years ago. You look at the DNA of most past champions at Harbortown. It's a point-to-point golf course. It's a polar opposite to what Augusta National is. You go from some of the most challenging sloping greens at Augusta national to Town has the smallest greens on the PGA tour and you can hit it in the fairway down the right-hand side and you're blocked out because of a trade. So you watch Colin Morikawa normally go around golf courses. Uh, I believe at 18 to one, really good value there. He just, when I look at him from 30,000 feet down, he seems like a quality world-class player that has a pretty good price attached to him heading into this week. So I, I look for Colin to play well.
2: Awesome. I'm on Colin this week as well. So hearing you say that gives me a little bit more comfort. (laughs) (laughs) And what's giving me comfort are the Rays undefeated. That means it is baseball season. Download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoring favorite players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Okay, so Rahm and, and, and Scheffler are the favorites heading into Hilton Head. But outside of Morikawa, are there any other big-name golfers you feel could come in form and walk away with a victory?
4: Yeah, I got a couple good names for you that at least I'm intrigued about with the price attached to them. Sung jae at 25-1, to finished tied for 16th at the Masters, shot 67 on Saturday, one of the great third rounds that obviously – uh, didn't necessarily fit the normal time frame as they played a lot of catch up there at Augusta National. A couple appearances uh, at Town, tied for 13, tied for 21st. He just seems to be that guy that when he gets going, another point-to-point golfer that I think can have some success. And then how about Matt Fitzpatrick, the U.S. Open champ at 28 to one, at least that's the last time I'd seen that. I think that's wonderful value there. tied for 10th at the Masters. How about this stat? Matt Fitzpatrick was one of only two players last week at Augusta National all four rounds at par or better. He comes back to what he calls his favorite golf course in the world, Town. He said three top 15s. I think that is an intriguing dynamic and what does Matt Fitzpatrick do? point to point golfer a to b to c so i think when you look at those numbers 25 and 28 to one sung jm matt fitzpatrick have value from my perspective
2: Sung J M is an interesting name that you brought up i I was all over sung jm at at the masters to finish inside the top 20 and pretty much before sunday's beautiful round i kind of wrote him off but in terms of winning what is keeping him from, you know, just winning week in and week out? Because he seems like such a consistent golfer, but I don't know what's separating him from being a, a, a consistent winner on the tour to a guy who just finishes inside the top 20. A, it's really hard to win on the PGA tour, as we all know.
4: Yeah, I would think it's the short game, the putter, the ball strike. And I go back four or five years ago uh, when I was on the Corn Ferry Tour broadcast the first two events in the Bahamas he goes win and second had never heard of him put on an absolute clinic the first week in the Bahamas blowing 30 truly one of the best final rounds I'd ever seen. I think he shot 65 the lap the field so two weeks into that corn ferry tour season he had already locked up his PGA tour card and you're like this kid can play but it's always the transition there's he's a guy that until about a year and a half ago did not have a home in America. He would live in hotels. He would travel around with his parents. So, you know, think about us going to the other side of the world with language barriers. I don't know anyone. So, you know, maybe it's a little comfort factor, if you will, but in terms of specifics with his game, you know, if, he, if his short game could get maybe to the top third, top half consistently to match the ball striking, uh, I, I think Sung J M, someone who loves to play golf, seemingly yeah. every week teeing it up on the PGA Tour. Uh, yeah. and, and I said it tongue in cheek, it really is hard to win out there. So when you see guys win or doing what Rams is doing, four wins, a major, and it's April, it really separates the elite from very good. And we all know it is just the finest lines between those two.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. And I agree, Rahm, I mean, uh, you know, it, Sung J M, if anyone can handle the grind of this current schedule, schedule it's him uh and so you know of the guys that have played a lot of golf I would put him sort of towards the top of being able to sustain good play uh is there a guy you know down the board maybe a guy who didn't even play last week because you know you don't want to take the guys who only played two rounds last week because they're not coming in with a lot of confidence Augusta just beat them up uh but maybe there's some guys uh, down the board who you know had the week off who are coming in a little fresher who have a little good course history here anybody pop uh, that's uh kind of a long shot
4: You know, the name that jumps out to me, Webb Simpson. Mm -hmm. You know, Carolina ties. He has had success there. I think looking at the pairings, I want to say he's with Scheffler and Cameron Young. And that's an intriguing dynamic. Uh, Webb Simpson's longtime caddy, Paul Mm Tessori, is now transitioned to the bag uh, of Cameron Young. So. You know, Webb is at a different point in his life, in his career, not always healthy, five kids, sort of in that age of, ooh, where am I going? But maybe Webb Simpson can rekindle a little bit of form and him and Paul Tessori, a wonderful relationship, friendship. They're like family, but maybe he can have a little fun and say, hey, Paul, maybe you left me a couple weeks early. Let me show you. I can (laughs) still get it done.
2: that's uh that's a great one a name you said that I really like too is cam young I was going to be on him regardless of his result at augusta uh, it just feels like a course that's made for him Steve before we let you go uh can you tell people where to find you on social media and what content to expect from you in the near, near future well this
4: uh afternoon we're wrapping up the uh, final round of the western intercollegiate college event oh, 76 wow. playing at pasa Tiempo the longest continual running men's golf tournament in history some big names of one here through the year. So I got a little college golf run coming up for the next six weeks. S Burkowski GC on Twitter, do the PGA tour. We've got the USGA championship. So I I'd like to say I'm a five tool player. I don't know if any of those tools (laughs) are any good, but you can see me doing play by play, calling holes, doing interviews, reporting, doing live from, from the U S open. So I check every box and maybe it's in light pencil because maybe I'll erase it and switch it down the road, but uh, it's uh, a lot of fun to do what I do. But right now we're sort of getting dialed in the run to the uh, postseason with conferences, regionals, and the NCAA championships at Greyhawk next month.
2: Awesome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great rest of the week. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.
3: It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1 800 9 with it. In Michigan, call 1 800 270 7117. In Virginia, call 1 888 532 3500. Gambling problem? Call 877 8 Hope, New York, or text Hope, New York. That's 467 369. In New York, call 1 800. Gambler. In Pennsylvania, call 1 877 770 STOP. That's 1 877 770 6867. In Louisiana.
2: Webb Simpson, 110-1 to to win RBC Heritage. Ooh, he is being slept on. That's a (laughs) big number. Yeah, that's a mess. I probably wouldn't bet it. But listen, let me talk about the baseball draft guide. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packaged with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. I am a draft guide person. I think these things are absolutely fantastic. But what also I am is a basketball lover. I have a plan on wearing a different basketball jersey for every single game this postseason. So let's talk about uh, the play-in game today. Bulls at Raptors. Raptors, a six-point favorite. Total set at 2125 half. I just have a feeling this game is going under. This total screams take the over. What are your thoughts here?
3: I think think this game screams take the over. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's some interesting kind of dynamics in the market right now. Um, Yesterday's games were unique because the loser had a second chance at elimination, right? Um, And so in a game like the Heat game, um, you're down 10. There's three or four minutes left rather than going into hey, we're gonna get eliminated if we lose and we're gonna just send you know heat to the free throw line 15 times. Uh, yeah they just kind of let it you know, they' let, they kind of let the game go a little bit. Uh, that dynamic is not in play, right? If there is a you know if there's a multiple possession margin at the end of any of these games, you're gonna see uh, you know a pretty decent amount of free throws. And I think with the lower total of 212 um, 212 and a half now, uh, this looks like an overplay to me. Now, the Bulls are an interesting team. They're competitive on the road, like and yes. they are competitive against good teams. They've played up in big spots. Uh, I don't know if any of that comes into play here, but I will tell you that in general, their starting five is going to get beat up by the Raptors. The Raptors are are very very well coached. They have great scheme. Their offensive, uh, you know, their offensive. To, identity matches up well to take advantage uh, of some of the bulls weaknesses, which is largely protecting the rim and points in the paint. So I think the Raptors are going to have pretty effective offense early in this one. Uh, And then the bulls are going to have to play catch up when their second unit is on the floor, because that's really their only advantage over the Raptors. The guys coming off the bench for the bulls are very, very good. Um, And so I think uh, in general, and not not just good, but can shoot, right? Like the Kobe whites of the world, they can fill it up from three. So I think you're going to see kind of a, a back and forth kind of game of runs here where the Raptors pull out and the Bulls keep coming back every time the second unit is on the floor. Uh, and ultimately, if this is a, a five, six point game, as we get into the late stages, I could see, you know, Billy Donovan, you know, sending the Raptors to the line an extra 10 times. Um, and if the Raptors make their free throws, then I think we're we're probably pushing more like 220 for a total here than 212. Okay. So uh, I think the over is the jam. And I think we got to We got a little bit of, um you know, like the market steamed both these games to the under aggressively yes. already. Yeah, right? And I think it's. I, I, people are like oh yeah playoff basketball is slower I, I remember now but these games may not necessarily fit that mold uh, i don't think this is going to have a game seven type of feel because you know it's just not win and move on it's just win and then you got to turn around quickly and win again so um yeah I, I'm, I'm not i'm not there that there's a, a slam dunk under angle here i think 212 uh, is a fair play to the over
2: for anybody who has time and uh, wants to do the homework, you want to find that player who's going to play the most with both the first and second unit. Here's a fun, a little fun nugget for you. Um, I love the cheat sheets here. The The Toronto Raptors allow the 26 most points to the primary option, 18th most points. and This is all the entire NBA to the secondary option, but sixth most amount of points to the tertiary option, which means that guy who's doing double duty, who's going to come in uh, late in that first rotation and then stay with this, with the bench guys and play. He's probably the guy you want to take his player props here. Um, but I do have a little bit of interest on Pascal Siakam's points. I didn't lock it in. Cause I just want to kind of talk to you about it. Siakam's yeah. uh, points total set at 22 and a half. Uh, I, I have his, his, his minutes logged me close to the 39 mark with in a, in a play in game here. Um, I just don't see the bulls, you know, being able to stop him, not at least effectively, especially with the amount of shots that he's going to take. Is that something that interests you at all?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I think he's going to have a great day. Uh, the bulls can be taken advantage of in the paint. And Siakam is sort of uniquely qualified to do that because if he's on the perimeter, you've got to respect his outside shot. Uh, and he is incredibly good at, uh, you know, kind of using movement, using his size, using you know, his angles to, to get to the rim. So uh, I think Siakam's going to have a huge night, and really, he's if you know if if he does what he, we think he can do, then the Raptors are probably covering the five and a half, six two.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to just probably pay up or play up to 25 plus for plus money. Uh, I don't want to pay minus 125 juice uh, when I only need two more points. I'll take that hit. You want? Let's move over to uh, Thunder at Pelicans. Pelicans a five and a half point favorite total set at 227. What's really interesting here? It's kind of a spin-off The Thunder are plus 765 to make the playoffs. Obviously they would have to win two games, but let's break down this game and then give me your thoughts on that bet because I did make it last night.
3: So the Pelicans are pretty good. Um, And they have very good players, (laughs) even (laughs) without Zion Williamson out there. Uh, And the Thunder have one very good player in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, Now, the Pelicans have some nice defensive specialists. Herb Jones uh, is, you know, kind of the top of that list. Um, And what that creates is the Pelicans can basically play a wide-open-ish type of game for the first three quarters and then go into the fourth quarter and basically say, okay, turn off the Shea Gilgis-Alexander scoring and make anyone else beat us on the Thunder. And that is a problem for Oklahoma City. Because there really isn't anyone else that I think can distinguish themselves offensively in this game, particularly if they're in comeback mode or, you know. So basically I I look at this less, much less interested in getting involved in this one pre-flop because I think those prices are pretty good. Um, but I'm going to be watching this one carefully for an in-game entry. If the Pelicans are down heading into the fourth quarter, that is very, very good opportunity to bet Pelicans money line live, not unlike the Lakers last night. Uh, and if the Pelicans are, you know, if the game is looks like it's going to soar over 227, I'm going to bombs away on that under uh, if as we get into the fourth quarter, because, uh, yes, there could be some free throws late in this one. Yes, this is you know a true elimination game that kind of, you know, that they could get out of hand late. Um, however, uh, I really do think that the Pelicans are going to be able to turn the spigot off really put the thunder under some tight, tight, uh, um, you know, tight gloves as we get into the fourth quarter there. So um, I'm looking for, uh, you know, a second half fourth quarter play here on Pelicans and or under.
2: You said it pretty well about the Pelicans. Um, I'm going to be on say Gilgis Alexander, shy Gilgis Alexander over 32 and a half points. Um, I was going to be on him to be the leading scorer of the entire game until that line got absolutely pummeled <laughs> last night. Yeah. Um, but even in the three, the four games they played the season, he averaged 33 and a half points, but you, you made this such a good point that I didn't even realize. And it happens so often when they play against a quality player, a one dimensional team where they'll have like 18 or 19 no, sure. and a half still only finished with like 32 points when you think they're on pace to, to set a franchise record. <laughs> so I probably will probably play a little more cautious. Um, then I then I was going to I was ready to unload the Brinks truck, but you know in gambling we got to be a little bit more safe. I don't think this is <laughs> going to be my absolute best position, but I, I did take the Thunder at plus uh, seven sixty five to make the playoffs, just because if they have those young guys step up, they do have yeah. the length, they do have they do have the style. Uh, we talk about in basketball how paint touches on every possession get you buckets, and sure. the Thunder uh, leave the NBA in paint touches per possession crazy stat. I don't know, It's just, you know, playing youth basketball so you hear get the ball in the paint. Um but let's move over. Let's talk about some serious prices here. Um Celtics are minus 1250 against the Atlanta Hawks. Um I think they swept the regular season against the Hawks. I texted my my Celtics contingency, my friends in Boston and said, are you guys more happy with the Hawks? Or would you want the Heat? They said the Hawks. What do you think of this series?
3: Oh, really? Oh, yes. they're confident. That confident, confident, huh? Oh no, no. I mean, if <laughs> I the the um the Hawks are in trouble, <laughs> they're in deep <laughs> trouble. Um, if you watched last night's game, um, the Hawks at times got very sloppy. The Hawks yes. at times had really, really, you know, they they let uh the Heat get some wide open looks from three. The Heat just couldn't make those baskets. You know who has absolutely no problem making wide open threes? (laughs) The Boston Celtics. Um, Everybody on the floor can shoot. They have so many different ways they can attack you. Uh, You know, the two-man game between Tatum and Brown in terms of drive and dish or drive and get to the hoop is so, so effective. And Clint Capella will do a decent job of protecting the rim if he can stay on the floor. Um, But the versatility of the Celtics defensively here is really probably going to be the difference in the series. And I think uh, ultimately, I I don't see the Hawks getting more than one win here. So I, I don't mind you know, playing Celtics as minus two and a half games in the series Same. handicap. Um, and, uh, you know, I think game by game with are your, you're probably looking for specific opportunities to, um, to lay it with the Celtics if they get off to a slow start in game. Um, but, uh, you know, they're going to win a number of these games by double digits because they are that much better.
2: Yeah. When, uh, Snyder took over at Atlanta, I thought they would put Trey in more off ball action. Um, still not happening it's kind of like he said don't put me in any off ball action i'm not getting beat up during the game he he literally sits in the corner when he doesn't have the ball in his hand and and not even the corner by the three like the corner by the by that by the half court line that's not going to work against the boston celtics uh it, it, it's just not good basketball that the hawks play uh that's something that they need to figure out in the offseason. okay let's talk about the one that everyone wants to know a price that kind of probably surprised both you and i grizzlies minus 135 Uh, Versus the Lakers series price. Lakers are plus 105. Uh, Let me hear your thoughts on this one.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) My fair price is closer to Grizzlies minus 220. I thought it was going to open in the minus 180. And I was going to have a decent little bet on the Grizzlies. Lay the juice and just enjoy the series. At this price, I'm staking the Grizzlies pretty heavily. And it's going to kind of be a pretty meaningful decision for me. One way or the other about having playoff success um don't love that this early in the playoffs like to kind of build into the playoffs bit but uh, this is a poorly priced market. I don't think the Lakers match up well with the Grizzlies in any aspect of the game. Uh, people are pointing to the Grizzlies and missing Stephen Adams. I don't think Steven Adams really had a role in the series if he was yeah. healthy. Uh, people point to the loss, you know, the absence of Brandon Clark. Yeah, that's some depth, but I don't think that really moves the needle one way or the other for me. Um, they have a very dynamic and unique way to defend these guys. And, you know, the Lakers are going to be able to get their baskets at the rim. They're going to get to the free throw line. They're going to be in some games, but uh, the Grizzlies are just such a dynamic offense when you have JJJ Bain and Ja Morant on the floor. That uh, unless there is some sort of off court, uh, you know, kind of nonsense that really derails this Grizzlies team, I think they get through pretty comfortably here. So I'm laying that price with the Grizz.
2: Grizzlies one of those teams where you could take uh, a number one of their starters out and they still have success. Uh, we've seen it all season uh, with John Morant coming out, uh, Desmond Bain getting hurt. Um, I, I don't think I could put money on the Lakers. I have Lakers uh, to win the NBA title at 60 to one and at 16, uh, but I'm going to be on the Grizzlies um, at no point in that game against the, against the T wolves was their confidence instilled, but even it goes beyond that. At no point during to close the season was I like, man, this Lakers team was phenomenal. Let's not forget. I know it's hard to, to to say we don't want to dissect the team game by game, right? But it all comes back to me of their desire to walk down for an entire game and play with aggression and a sense of urgency through an entire game. Let's go back to when they played the Utah Jazz. The tanking Utah Jazz, they had a 10-point lead with a minute and 30 seconds left to go. That game goes to overtime. Uh, There's just situations where they just kind of have lapses in judgment, uh, and that game was one of them. It happened again uh, against the T-Wolves. Great defensive effort. Great way to lock down, but the fact that you foul a three-point shooter with one second left to go, he needs a miracle to make it, is something that, you know, championships aren't made out of lapses in judgment. I think this is a serious price that, I can play comfortably and yeah, the Lakers, what they won two out of three meetings this season. I don't put any stock in that. And at some point LeBron's going to get tired because he is going to have to be the emotional hustle, all of those kind of leaders for this team. And at the end of the day, we have to remember LeBron's old man, like that stuff wears on you. It's not like they, they're getting, they got home court advantage. It's not like they didn't have to play in the play in. Like this team is going to be very banged up and every single time i see anthony davis go inside to grab a board i get a little worried about his health
3: yeah i, I think that's a fair con- fair concern about getting involved with the lakers anyway this entire playoffs is anthony davis's you know one play away from heading to the locker room um and i think y- your broader point is fair which is the lakers are kind of one dimensional yes like yeah austin reeves has given them some pop but uh, it's still a team that you know it can only do it the hard way <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and honestly like yeah the hard way may work for a game or two against the grizzlies but i don't think it's going to keep them uh competitive in that series the grizzlies are so dynamic offense yes they are like they could like i honestly i think the i think the play put some grizzlies in pocket and uh and let's play some uh, grizzlies team till over in every game
2: ooh that'll be fun okay i have two questions before we wrap uh, first one, unscripted question. Does mm. Kenny Lofton Jr. see the court after a 42 point performance in his last game? Does he get any playing time in the playoffs?
3: Of course, he's a legend. Kenny <laughs> Lofton Jr. Um, no, in seriousness, uh, it could be mop up time. It okay. could be he could be part of the rotation. I'm not really sure, but uh, he's got game. <laughs> I'm <laughs> kind of impressed, honestly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, last question. Uh, St. Stephen said, how nervous should I be about my quickly mm. sixth man of the year position?
3: Well, you should be a little nervous, but I wouldn't really lose sleep over it. Um, the kind of the current tracker has 10 for 10 first place for v- Brogdon, five first place for quickly. But uh, if you look at sort of the breakdown of the voters, there is a humongous contingent of New York voting to still come here, which I think will level the stakes. If I had to make the market right now, I would make it 55, 45 quickly based on what I've heard. Um, And just in general, some of the buzz, because like there's some people who will say, this is who I voted for blank. And there are other people who will be like, yeah, I talked to blank and blank and blank and blank. And it's quickly. Right. And so I think, you know, there's enough, I think there are enough votes still left to be counted that it's still very much a race where quickly ought to be a small favorite, but, Um, you know, the fact that he's gotten as much support as he had from some of the legacy guys is, is a little bit concerning. Um, Also, I don't get the sense that a lot of people put a ton of time and thought into this. I think the time (laughs) and thought that Jay and I did over the balance of the season covering this award was probably more than some of these voters have put in, in terms of making their decisions.
2: Uh, So it's, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a sweat. Uh, These, uh, these awards are a little bit less predictable than the NFL I try to stay, I try not to get too many positions into it, but man, as always, uh, actually let's get one more before we go. Um, what are your thoughts on, on SGA as a uh, most improved? I, I, I personally, if I were a voter, I'd vote him over marketing. Uh, I mean, look, one team is at home, uh, playing golf today while the other one's preparing for a playing game. What's your thoughts on this one?
3: Yeah. Uh, i I thought this was going to be closer. Um, I don't think the current vote count of 11 to 2 is going to be ultimately reflective of a runaway from Markenden. There's going to be a lot more Shea votes coming in here. Um, the problem that I'm getting a sense of as I look at a couple of votes that have already been shocked is that people are like putting Shea as first team All-NBA, fifth vote for MVP. Right. And so they're kind of rewarding him in other ways as opposed to giving okay. him the consideration of this award, which is concerning. So uh, between SGA and Quickly, I'd be more worried about SGA. I think he's much closer to 50-50 still in that market, uh, whereas I would still make Quickly a small favorite.
2: You know, uh, the biggest surprise here was Moby <laughs> getting so many defensive player that, of the year votes. What are your that, thoughts on that?
3: That is crazy. Yeah. Um, Our good friend Lockie Lockerson had sort of the perfect summation tweet of it yesterday where he was basically (laughs) like so many people went for the contrarian choice in the DPOY market that they may ultimately get that guy the award. Yeah, yeah, this is a huge surprise. Uh, People, you know, people picked apart Brooke Lopez for being the third best defensive player on that team. That does not help his case. People picked apart JJJ because he's got so much foul trouble and he hasn't played as many minutes. That's hurt his case, and that's kind of opened the door for this uh, com- complete and total surprise. If that comes through, that's going to be just absolute, you know, bonus <laughs> gravy on the pile. I did not expect that to be live whatsoever. I figured all my DPOI was uh, was a lost cause.
2: That will be absolutely smashing, uh, Drew. As always, it is fun, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know I didn't give out my RBC Heritage picks. Um, but those will be on NBCSportsEdge.com. And that's a reminder. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wagers. Thanks to those who are listening to us on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. For Dude Densick, I'm Brad Thomas. Take care.